0: In episode two, I was talking about characters. Remember Bunny? Yeah, well, if that was only like two minutes ago, you did not do the writing assignment, did you? Writing is not a spectator sport, so I'm just saying... Who is the most memorable character you've ever read or that you've seen on TV or the movies, any genre, any time, any place? You very possibly have two different characters in mind now, don't you? It's odd how that works. Um, Characters that you've read. Ask yourself why that character stuck with you so well after all these years. The same answer might apply to either book or film characters, but for now, characters that you've read. I'll bet it was because that character was relatable, fallible, vulnerable, and perhaps even nearly dead at some point. Let's start with relatable. If your character is a stone cold killer with no conscience or remorse and they always win all of their battles, it gets boring. That's a Terminator, not a person. At least I think so. So what's the challenge there? What's the conflict all about? How is a character relatable? Well, unless they're a robot, they have at least some human elements of emotion, conscience, experiences that are not always pleasant. We need something like that to like about the protagonist. Why are they the way they are? That's one of the nagging issues I have with the James Bond series of movies. Sure, he's sophisticated, great with the ladies, very capable as an operative. He finds a way to get the job done, even though he's been tortured, poisoned, shot, stabbed, lost at poker, never has a head cold, and never has a significant hangover. These are attractive qualities for the hero archetype. But I don't know why he is the way he is, he just sort of is this assassin slash spy. I don't know any of his backstory, really. It's something about maybe being an orphan. I don't know. Maybe I should read Ian Fleming's original stories. But the same could be said for John Wick to a degree, right? Just don't kill his dog. Or John Constantine, or like with uh, Superman, where it's always about the kryptonite. The trope of the invincible killing machine dude only paints a very two-dimensional portrait of the character, and I don't think that's very relatable. The only way that I've found to counter that is to make their life hell in some kind of way in the first place. At least they have to deal with reality in that situation. Now, sure, it's great movie entertainment with lots of action, but is that a book you'd like to read? Chapter titles might be something like Chapter 17, The Fight in the Alley, Chapter 18, The Fight Moves to the Convenience Store, Chapter 19, The First Fight in the Office Building, (laughs) And, and so on. There's Sure, there's character development in a John Wick movie, but it's more like one movie to the next, not in any one individual movie, but it's still no more than necessary to move the plot. It, it, it's like John Wick is one notch closer to human than a Terminator. If Mr. Wick were to die, his dog would be provided for, and that would be the end of that movie series. Would there be any consequences for anybody else? Luke Skywalker, Frodo, and Bilbo Baggins, maybe even Don Quixote are toward the other end of the spectrum. We care about these characters before they even do anything interesting, and that's a choice the author made. They care about something deeply, even if it's just home and family, like the Shire. While they are in their predicament, they think about what's important to them, and why they're doing what they're doing, which makes them a far more well-rounded character. Let's look at facet number two, fallible. Failure is an awesome teacher, I know, and it's a great plot device. Does your character actually learn from their mistakes, or do they just brush them off, move on, and keep repeating them? I always like to see where the lesson learned is applied Later on in the plot, and that's why I'm binge watching Westworld on HBO again. Awesome writing, at least for that part. Fail early and fail often. If your character can't fail often, then fail spectacularly and learn from it either way. For instance, Harry Dresden is a wizard who lives in Chicago. And Jim Butcher, the author, has nearly killed Harry in what seems like every novel in the series. And it's delicious. Harry learns from his mistakes, and he's also become an extremely lethal wizard. It's a great series. Failure ratchets up the tension and adds fuel to the plot fires. Especially if there's a clock ticking somewhere in Jurassic Park, the book... There's a point where everything has come apart. Technology breaks down. People are missing. Somebody has stolen dinosaur embryos and is smuggling them to the last ship to leave before the storm hits full force. In the book, when the weather clears a little bit, the clock is ticking because the Coast Guard is on its way to start nuking the island to contain the problem. Yeah, that's not in the movie. What, no pressure? (laughs) Uh, The mathematician and therefore the voice of reason, Ian Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum's character, is out of action. And the symbology there is interesting, as far as your choice of who to pick to be out of commission when. And, uh, oh, the owner of the park, John Hammond, is dead. Yeah, spoiler alert, he dies in the first book. And the creatures are in charge of the island. Literally nothing goes right. Right. It's a masterpiece of failures, and it's absolutely riveting. The movie missed a bunch of the good stuff, really. Vulnerability and failure go hand in hand quite often. Luke Skywalker lost a hand in battle. Anakin Skywalker lost more than just a hand. Han Solo got captured and then frozen in carbonite. Frodo was stabbed by a Morgul blade, and that pain carried through to the last page. Sherlock Holmes had an opium addiction. The gunslinger in the Dark Tower series lost fingers on his gun hand fairly early in the series. Even Superman had kryptonite to make him a little bit human. Otherwise, you don't have any real conflict. Without kryptonite, Superman could have become God-Emperor of Earth if he wanted, and uh, who's going to stop him? Don't just talk about your character's vulnerability. Show it sell it. I think every hero needs a weak spot somewhere, morally, physically, mentally, or spiritually. Then challenge them on that ground and see how well they do. If you mention a weakness in chapter 1 and it never comes into play in the story, you wasted a great opportunity to show us a character who can overcome that weakness. At least you can show how the villain learns about it and exploits it. Then there's the, uh, <laughs> the the Black Knight and Monty Python protecting the road, but let's not go there. That is a silly place. I was working on a high fantasy storyline with three main characters. One was an outdoorsy warrior who was always the voice of action. Another was the priestess who was the voice of moral conscience. And the third was a really fun and sometimes forgetful wizard who just wanted to blow stuff up. Uh, the warrior was a voice of action because as a child he had watched helplessly when his father was killed, and he felt by doing the right things he might somehow find a path to right that injustice. If he fought hard and did well, then maybe his father might have been proud of him. Kind of the Ned Stark, John Snow vibe, years before the Song of Ice and Fire. The priestess escaped a form of forced slavery and had never seen the sun until she escaped. She found acceptance and a new family in a temple of her newfound religion in the goddess of the sun. She was nearly a zealot, and a lot of fun to write about. The wizard was a wild card, a little bit nuts, and fairly casual about throwing his magic around until he was playing a one-upsmanship game with his friend while they were in a desperate combat situation. He lost track of what he was doing, and his friend died in a fiery aftermath of a spell that went bad. Grief-stricken and feeling guilty, he retired. There had been plenty of foreshadowing, but this is a case where the vulnerability was there every chapter— but the failure wasn't really exposed from the past. The real failure lay ahead of him near the end of that story. The conversations among these three people in my head went round and round for days sometimes before I could settle on what to write, not because I couldn't decide which way to go, but because the characters had definite opinions on how to handle situations, and the atmosphere was often tense between those characters in my head. I was really hoping that I would end up writing about a happy-go-lucky troop of people running around solving problems, killing monsters. I actually stopped writing that project because there just wasn't a good, logical way to keep them all on the same page for very long. How about backstories? When I read drafts for other writers, sometimes the backstory provided is just wallpaper. It never gets applied to the story. In that case, I'm not sure why they bothered with the backstory at all. Look, if you can separate the character's backstory and then write the whole story and then go back and substitute a completely different backstory, then you wasted your time with the first backstory. Or not. It could have been a stepping stone to get you to your next iteration of that character. And if that's the case, then you're really thinking about your writing. And congratulations. I think that's great. If you're going to bother with a backstory, make it relevant somehow. And don't show it to me right off the bat. Not chapter one. No. There's a time for the backstory, and it's seldom doled out in one lump in chapter one. Tease a little bit of it out. Tease a little bit of it out at a time as you need to, and explain what's coming next. Tell them what they need to know when they need to know it. Otherwise, it's also possible that they'll forget you ever said that, and then they're confused. Look at it this way. If you just met a person, why would you need to know that they broke their arm in Tennessee in 2018? Well, there's no way you would find this out unless it came up in conversation. This kind of an approach is how I do it as conversationally as possible. Time for a writing prompt. Here's a chance to be a rock star, even if it's just in your own head. I know, and you're not even in the shower or anything. The Casbah is a very popular concert venue on the edge of some wherever. The crowd loves new music material. And today, today, is a music festival. So, paid admission, is on the order of about 8,000 concert goers, totally sold out. Your mission today is describe the Casbah in the excitement of before the show kicks off. Describe the bands and their musical styles. Especially describe the Casbah after the show, after the event. What does the venue look like? Does it have a few new odors? Has everybody really gone? Why? Because the aftermath of a music festival is seldom neat and tidy. Because isn't that where you might find the murder weapon? Go right now. I'm TJ Ponce on Twitter, tjponce.com. Keep writing, scribblers. I'll talk at you next time when I'll answer some frequently asked questions and we'll have an absolutely lethal writing prompt.